You love the Lord, say amen. Hallelujah. You're going, you're going to help the preacher preach to midnight, say amen. Wow. Wow. <laughs> well, I won't go that long because I when I, I I don't I don't know if I I don't know if I could be able to handle it like the Apostle Paul did when Paul preached at midnight. Somebody fell out of the third loft from the top up there and broke their neck, and he just went out and healed them, brought them back to life, and kept on preaching to daylight. Amen. Hallelujah. Modern day apostolic says what? My Lord, if we was to talk about that like that, we'd be we'd be we'd be. Apostolic today be like his news meet over that. <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, let's get into the word. Amen. Praise the Lord. Um, what uh, that I want to share with you tonight uh, is kind of continuation of uh, what God has been dealing with me on uh, beginning through last Wednesday night and then of course, didn't really preach this morning, but the Spirit of God took over and uh, God sp- spoke some things. And um, we can't. There's one thing that we cannot forget. We cannot forget why God is given us this time that He's given us. We got to make the most of it. And there's one thing that we have got to learn to be able to do is to strengthen our endurance. Because the day is coming that we are going to have to have some endurance. If you read the first few chapters of Revelation, you'll find that there are blessings and there are things given over and over again to those who overcome. Now, building your endurance, that's something you got to do ahead of time. You got to prepare ahead of time for that. I go out. I go out to the um, uh, to the high school uh, football field there at Watch Creek, and uh, they got a, a, some pretty high uh, sets of, of bleachers that goes way on up there, a lot higher than what the ceiling is. And you can see the coach sometime working the football team, running them. And after running several times around that track, he'll open up that gate and keep them running, and he'll start them running all the way up to the top, back down, all the way up, back down, all the way up, back down. There was a time... I could do that. If I was to try that now, 
See, I can remember when I started and I was in high school. Uh, how, has anybody ever been in a situation where you had wished you had kept your mouth shut? Amen. I, I, I'm laying a foundation here. We ain't even read the scripture yet, but I'm going, as Brother Travis says, I'm going somewhere with it. I never, I never will forget that coach getting us out there and running us and doing a lot of things like what I was just talking about. And after, after uh, working out a good 35 minutes, man, we were, some of us was really hurting. And he stopped us and he lined us up. And that old coach, coast. His name was Hollinsworth, Coach Hollinsworth. He says, he says, I want to know how many of you has got a real sharp pain about right here, hurting. And me and about seven other guys raised our hands, spoke up, yeah, I'm hurting. And I, and I, well, I can feel it. He said, y'all step back. And we stepped back. And the rest of them, he says, y'all can go ahead and hit the showers. Guess what we was in for? <laughs> but by the time I got through, I wasn't hurting in my side. <laughs> but I still wished I'd have shut my mouth. We're going to go to the book of James, chapter 5, verse 11. I have preached and talked and taught and about about endurance, there's been many messages down through the years. But in, in, in keeping up with what we've been talking about here lately and what God's been dealing with on, one of the reasons that God has given us in this nation a reprieve and high, the reason why we're going to be blessed, and there is going to be some favor, and we're going to see some great things. But God is going to use this time to help us build some endurance. Because there's going to come a day that we're going to have to be able to persevere. We're going to have to keep going. James 5 and 11, that's, this is what it says. Behold, we count them happy which endure. You have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and full of tender mercy. He said, Behold, we count them happy which endure. I want to speak to you tonight, and I'm going to try not to hold you too long, but I want to leave you after this day with this subject title, Two Indispensable Elements of Endurance. Fathers, we come tonight, we thank you and we praise you for your grace. Thank you for what you have been doing. We honor you and we love you. Help us, God, uh, to never fail, to let our light shine and to always be a witness and to be used of you in whatever area you want us to be used in. In Jesus' name, let the church say, Amen. you can be seated. As I've already 
begin to talk to you this evening. Those who strive in the area of physical endurance, maybe marathon runners or cyclists, those kind of folks could explain to us very vividly the struggle which is involved in endurance. It don't happen overnight. You don't just decide, well, there's going to, there's going to be a 21-mile marathon tomorrow, and you don't decide tonight, I'm going to go and I'm going to sign up for that. <laughs> You'd be like I was. You'd be hurting. Amen. But the people who uh, do those things, they could give us some great information about that. And those areas of athletics require rigorous and meticulous training in order to assure their ability to endure the race and win the gold. Now let me ask you, church, do you think spiritual endurance is any different? Spiritual endurance is not any different. Likewise, if we are going to build spiritual endurance, and I believe that's God's will for his church in these next few years, if we're going to build some spiritual endurance, it's going to be because it's going to be a byproduct of will, determination, and consistency in a lifestyle conducive to overcoming strength and power. You can't say, well, I'm going to get in shape and go out and do one push-up and leave and go back home or one set-up or... You can't go and work out once every six months. I think, I think this time right now would be a good time for maybe three or four men to get together and buy, pitch in and buy a health club and go in business and run it 24-7 till about, say, January 31st, then sell it. Why did I say that? Because there's already a whole lot of people got their mind on pigging out right now, thinking about the holidays, thinking about that pumpkin pie, pecan pie, turkey and dressing. Don't nobody get up and leave. Don't you go to the restaurant nowhere. Amen. And after they pick up that weight, they say, well, you know, I'm going to have to get in shape and they spend, spend a bunch of money on health clubs and maybe two or three times. And it don't ever work out because there's no consistency about it. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, folks. I'm thankful for everybody so far who's been consistent 
to be here at 10 minutes to se- uh, 7, I mean 10 minutes to 6 rather on Sunday night where we have decided to pray for the names in this, in, in this bowl right here. Take the time before, because I'm going to tell you, one reason why we as Christians do not make it to what we want to attain to is because no matter what it is, be it prayer, be it fasting, studying the Word of God or whatever, too many times we are not consistent in what we're doing. How many times do we, like in the flesh, we do it in the spirit, we start something, and first one thing, you know, you get to the prayer room, where's everybody else at? Hello, somebody. God has given us one of the greatest blessings. And there's going to be some great mighty things accomplished if we will begin to be consistent in the things of God. Be consistent in the things of the Spirit. Have some determination about us and say, I am determined. I'm not going to let the devil, amen, knock me back no more. Hallelujah. I have made up my mind. Hallelujah. I've started this thing and I'm not going to stop till it's complete because this is the final time around. There will not be another time. If I know anything about the Spirit of God, this is it. Glory to God. Church one day a week, training for a couple hours on Sunday will not produce the endurance that you need to overcome all the obstacles that Satan is going to throw at us in this last day. We have got, we have got to build spiritual endurance. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, let's see what it says. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with what? Endurance. It's not the ones who start, but those who finish the race. How many people have started out, but they fell short. And some of the reasons why they do is because their endurance level is so low. We got to build some spiritual endurance. Now, there's a lot of things we could talk about and build in endurance. But there were there's there's one scripture that just jumped out to me that I want to share with you in that thing are two different two different areas. If we could just work on these two different things right here, we could build our endurance level to where we could keep on and keep on. No matter what the devil throws our way, we can keep on going. Let me tell you something. Man, I have been going crazy reading those church history books that that, that the church gave me here a couple of weeks ago, whenever it was. Let me, you've heard me mention a man 
by the name, and some of you may know a little bit about this name. You've heard me mention a man by the name of Polycarp. He was the second century pastor of the church of Smyrna. History says, a lot of historians say that he was placed as pastor. I remember when I became pastor of this church, Brother Shoulders came and he was the one that did the service and installed me as pastor. And one history writer says that, that it was John the Beloved, the one who was on the Isle of Patmos, who set Polycarp in place before he passed away. But we know the story, and I know and read about it, and I've talked about it, but I, I, got, I got a hold of some more writings of people who lived back in that, in, in that day, eyewitnesses. And uh, he was 86 years old when they began to gather up the Christians and, uh, and, and to kill them. And uh, we, we've heard the story about where Polycarp um, told him when he was there facing uh, to be burnt alive at the stake. Amen. That put the Polycarp's words were 86 years have I served him and how he ain't never done me no wrong. <laughs> Hallelujah. And let me, let me tell you something, church. Listen, I've heard this, I've heard this phrase and there's a, there's a lot. Amen. Of modern day Pentecostals, you've let the devil, amen, say this. When they went to Polycarp's house, and I, and I just recently learned this, when they went to his house and they picked him up, they sent an officer to pick him up that was sympathetic with Polycarp. This man liked Polycarp. And, 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 and these words he spoke to him as they were, as they was headed, there where they were going to try him. He said, he put his arm around him and he says, Polycarp, what would be the harm in you just saying when you get there, Lord Caesar? He said, if you would just say, Lord Caesar, you could go home, back to your home, and, and, and finish living out your days and die. A comfortable, nice death. Go on. How, how many times has the devil through, sometimes through our family members, through our friends, say, oh, come on, go with me over here. What would be the harm in you going over here doing this tonight? What's the harm? Oh, God, listen to me, church. Hallelujah. They, they said, what would be the harm? Polycarp just saying, Lord Caesar. Because, see, that's what the Caesar back then, like some of our presidents today want today. They, want, they wanted to be worshipped as a god. But Polycarp knew, Brother Bobby, they was to him, there was only one Lord. He had preached it all his life. Polycarp preached the same message that you and I. He preached one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. Lord of God, amen. And Brother Wayne would admit he could have saved his life by saying, Lord Caesar, but he couldn't do it because he had preached 80 years. They were just one. One.
by the devil through friends, through family, or anybody else by saying, oh, come on. What would be the harm in this? Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you, folks, we got to have some endurance. We got to have some endurance. There's two primary things, two indispensable elements of endurance, and we find them in 1 Timothy 1 and 19. He said, hold in faith and a good conscience, which some, having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck. My, my, my. There are so many scriptures in the Bible that show that this once saved, always stuff is from hell. Here's another one right there. What do you think shipwreck means? What do you think Paul meant when he told Timothy that unless you hold on to faith and a good conscience, you're going to be like some already in the church. They put that away, and because of that, they have been made shipwrecked. My Lord, my Lord, the two elements of spiritual endurance are faith and good conscience. Without these elements, there's no way to endure the storms and strong headwinds of the sea of this life. Let's talk about faith. I personally believe that faith is the most single important thing that any child of God can have. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Because the Bible says, the Bible don't say, unless you speak in tongues, you can't please God. The Bible don't say unless you shout and run the aisles, you can't please God. The Bible said without faith, it's impossible to please God. I don't care what your little Pentecostal theology or tradition is. Faith is more important than anything. If the devil can steal your faith, he stole your salvation. Holding faith. Church, we got to get a hold of faith and we got to hold on to it and we can't never let it go. We got to hold on to it with all that we got. There is a dangerous, misleading area among many in mainline churches today. Faith is taught as only an easy belief in God. Whereas you mentally acknowledge God in your mind. which alone can save you apart from any actions or deed. The Bible says the devil believes in one God and trembles, but he's lost his last year's Easter egg. Hallelujah. When we talk about faith and the kind of faith that's mentioned here in Timothy, it's talking more than just a mental Knowledge. Hallelujah. When the Bible says, they, talking about the day that we're entering in now, 
Daniel saw it long ago, talking about how all the things was going to come together like we're seeing it now. But he said also, he said, they who know their God shall be strong and do exploits. That no is just not a mental thing, hallelujah, but it's an intimate thing, hallelujah. That word no is the same in the Hebrew as what the Bible said Adam knew Eve and she conceived. You've got to be on an intimate basis with God. Hallelujah. Biblical faith contains many facets and dimensions which undergird our whole life and relationship with God. Belief is definitely a facet and dimension of faith. All through God's word, we're reminders of the necessity of faith through believing. I remember a scripture in Second Chronicles. I don't remember the exact chapter, but I know it's in Second Chronicles. And he gave an admonition to the people of God then. And he said, and you can look it up, Second Chronicles. He said, believe in the Lord your God, so shall you be established. Believe his prophets, so shall you prosper. That's God's word. Amen. You want to be established? You want to prosper? Believe in the Lord your God. You'll be established. Believe in his prophets and you will prosper. Oh, that's God's word tonight. But if we stop at a mere belief just like Simon the sorcerer did at Philip's preaching in the 8th chapter of Acts, then we are sure to end up shipwrecked somewhere along the way. I know Brother Kyle knows the story. Well, when, when Philip went down to Samaria and preached the great revival, many believed the words of Philip as he preached. I like, like a lot of people, we've already done right here since we've been in this facility. We baptized many of them. The Bible says Simon believed also and was baptized. But when the church in Jerusalem heard about the revival that was going on, they sent down the elders because nobody received the Holy Ghost as of yet. They just repented and got baptized. People begin to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And old Simon, he's one of those, his belief was just a middle knowledge of what he had been told about Jesus. He didn't have an intimate relationship with him. Do you follow me? Because when he offered the apostles money, give me, I'll pay you whatever you want, so you give me this power on whoever I lay my hands on, I'll receive the Holy Ghost. Remember now, he went through the 
steps supposedly repentance and baptism. But the apostle looked at him and says, Simon, your heart is not right. Everybody we've ever baptized in Jesus' name, if their heart really got right, they'd still be here. That's, that's, that's Bible, folks. I can give you scripture where the, the Word of God says, he said, you know what? There are many of them who went out from us. They never really was with us because if they was with us, they wouldn't have left from us. Do you hear that? Now, I'm not, talk, I'm not talking about people going and God sending somebody to another church to worship. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about people who had went in there and went through the motions of repentance, was baptized and wherever, but they're back out in the world doing things like they did. Let me tell you something, folks. That heart, something happened, that heart never was changed completely. I heard, I heard Brother Bobby this morning. I was got in here in time to hear. When he asked God to give him that sign, and God listened to him and gave him that sign. There was a change made in him. He testified to it today. From that day, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't believe, you didn't get the Holy Ghost that first time you went down the altar. But you know what, brother? Your heart was changed that night. It was changed that night. You never was the same again. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, glory, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I thank God for the change he made in my life. Oh, glory, hallelujah. I thank God for the change. Listen, man, I, if it wasn't for that change, I would be the same dirty low gown scandal I ever thought to be. But it was a change. Woo! Brother Harrison used to sing that song. <laughs> I believe Ronnie Millsap, if I'm thinking right, put it out in the country field first, but they began to sing it as a gospel song. Man, I, I sure would like to see Brother Harris. I remember he would sing it every once in a while. What a difference you've made in my life. See, I'm not looking to no human being, but I'm looking to God. What a difference you've made in my life. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You're my sunshine day and night. Oh, what a difference you've made. Church, that's what the world needs it's that same kind of change. Oh, we need to have that type of faith that goes beyond just a middle knowledge. But that it comes in and it changes us and that we're never the same anymore. Jude chapter, well, there's only one chapter, but verse 3. He said, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, 
it was needful. I got to hurry. It was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. Faith in this context relates to the truth or knowledge of the original gospel message which they had heard from Pentecost by the apostles under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. I got to move on due to time. I don't want to hold you too late. There's other scriptures I've got down here, but I'm not going to... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask uh, up top for them to go to the second point. He said, holding faith in a good conscience. I'm going to talk number two about a good conscience. It's important, church, that we live our life to where you can have a conscience that's, that, that's clean and pure. That when you go home tonight, and you lay down and you close your eyes. You don't have no fear and don't have no worry that if you never wake up again in this life. Hallelujah. That's a beautiful thing. I'm going to tell you something, folks. It would be, I'm going to, hey, there, there's some things that I could do, Brother Cal. It would be nice for me to be able to have a million dollars in my bank account. Amen. I mean, there's things I would do for the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. I, would, I probably wouldn't have it long because I, I, can't, I can't stand to see a small child hungry. But anyway, there's nothing as great being able to lay down and close your eyes. I remember when, I don't know, has, has Cecilia gone to take that second test again? I remember when I went and took that test and they the doctors looked at me and told me he said it's a miracle given the size of man you are and the weight you got on you with your high blood pressure and diabetes it's amazing that you hadn't already had a heart attack in your sleep because we counted that you that you stopped breathing 73 different times, completely stopped breathing due to the sleep apnea. Does that worry? No, because I've got something better than a million dollars. When I go home tonight and I can lay down, after I've talked to my Lord, I can lay down in peace. Knowing if I was to have a heart attack and I was not wake again in this life, I know who the first one I'd see when I open my eyes and Lord. Oh, what a change you have made in my heart. That's the second verse of that song. What a change you made in my heart. You replaced They ain't nothing no better than that, folks. I was watching the, the video of that accident. Sister Susie was testifying about this morning. Three people lost their life. You don't ever know when you get on the highway. You don't ever know who's going to cross over. But 
that you can have some assurance. I read one story about a man going down the interstate in one of them tractor trailers on the other side lost 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 a real rear wheel and it came popping and spinning and going across through the medium over there at whatever speed he was going at uh, 65 or 70 mile an hour and the guy's driving and all of a sudden uh, 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 all of a sudden a crash and glass went all over him and that tar had went over through the glass on his wife's side landed right on top of her took her out instantly you see folks we don't know when death comes, whether or not we're going to have a minute or two to say, God, forgive me. Hallelujah. But we can have that peace. Can somebody say amen? amen? We can have that peace. We can have a good conscience. This other element of endurance beside God faith is a good conscience. The definition, now listen, I was, I was amazed as I looked up some uh, some Hebrew and Greek definitions of that verse right there. It said, holding faith and a good conscience. The definition says to see completely. That kind of blew me away there. See completely. Uh, respectfully meaning to understand or become aware, to be conscious or informed of something. See, God's people don't have no no reason to fear because we don't become aware of something. <laughs> Glory to God. We're able to see something. Amen. Glory to God. You're able to have a, a sense inside you. You're able to be aware of something that all the reporters on CNN can't see The New American Standard Greek Dictionary defines this word conscience in this verse right here. says to see together, to comprehend. Hallelujah. I'm glad the Holy Ghost has come into my life and I can comprehend who my God is. I can comprehend what it takes for me to have that eternal life. I'm fixing to close. In other words, we need an inward understanding, a strong spiritual perception of right and wrong, whereas not to run aground in the shallow waters of modern religiosity and assumptions of men and become shipwrecked. Glory to God. You don't have to worry about some joker, amen, on TV deceiving you because there's something inside you, Brother Travis. Hallelujah. When somebody gets on TV or somebody even gets up behind a Bible stand and starts talking junk, there's going to be something you got inside. Said, wait a minute, something not clicking here. I wish I would have told Sister Darlene to put in the bulletins last week and I forgot to do it but and I apologize for not advertising it 
But see, last last week uh, was Benny Hinn Sunday. Last week was Benny Hinn Sunday because it's time we fall back. Some of you, some of you catch that in a minute. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hey. <laughs> I, I don't know about you, but I, I'm thankful God has given me something inside it. When somebody comes talking some junk, there's something that kind of lets me know. Something's not right here. Hallelujah. And I, I'm not the only one you got it. Everybody in here has got the Holy Ghost. You got it. You got it. My Lord, man, I'm feeling good in this message tonight. I'm feeling hallelujah. Glory to God. But the rest of the world, hallelujah. Brother Darrell, come on up here and get a, get ready to do a course. Man, I, I've got another page and a half of notes here, but... Uh, I feel like I've given you what the Lord wanted me to give you. This, what I'm talking about, holding faith and a good conscience, helps us to build endurance. The good conscience part, because God has given us something that we, we know. We know what's right, what ain't right. We have that, we hear that, in, that within us. That the world don't have. Why don't they have it? Because their heart has been darkened. Romans one twenty one, and that will be the last scripture I'll read. Because that, you see, everybody born into this world was born with a sense of right and wrong, even before they got right with God because we were mankind we're always made in the image of God and everybody had this sense of right and wrong but they lost that because that when they knew God they glorified him not as God neither were thankful but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was what? Darkened. So they don't have that knowledge that you got. And it's something we need to thank God for. I'm closed right now. Let's all stand. Church, let's try to aim to be more spiritual. Let's use the time that God has given us to get as close to him as possible and build some endurance so that you don't wake up a few years from now and somebody worse than this other lady is leading the world. It's, it's, it's the beast. And we find that we don't have no endurance. We can't run the race. We get out of breath. You know what the breath is for the Holy Ghost filled person because we haven't tried to endure. Anybody needs prayer, the altars are open. Let's